Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, and you would, find the 16th chapter of the book of Romans. The 16th chapter of the book of Romans. And uh, tonight, as you are finding that, I told you this morning that we would be starting uh, 1 Samuel next Sunday, and so we'll be preaching verse by verse, probably through 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. So that should take us months, if not years. And Sunday night, we'll begin our study back through the book of Matthew, and that'll probably take us months, if not a year. On Wednesday nights, we've started Jeremiah, which is going to take us uh, a long time. And uh, we've been going through Psalms on Sunday night, and we're going through Judges in our nightly devotion. And so with this last Sunday of the month, I just really felt the Lord had the sermon this morning for um, the pastor's thoughts on you as next week you fill out your surveys about your thoughts on this. But tonight I have a special sermon titled, um, The Sunday Night Crowd. And I told you this morning that I had a sermon that I felt the Lord had laid on my heart for this group of people, and uh, hopefully you didn't fear because you're here. So what I have found out, though, is people will show up for a train wreck just like they will for a sporting event. And so I want you to know tonight that uh, I hope that you'll hear my heart and the significance of it. Uh, Romans 16 is a chapter usually most of us are trying to read as fast as we can as we finish the book of Romans. Most of us have went through Romans 8 and Romans 9 and Romans 10, and we're trying to figure out how God is sovereign, man's responsible, all that theological argument. Uh, We've got through chapters 11 and 12 and 13 in our daily Bible reading, and we're thinking, man, if I could just get through Romans, right? And so we get to chapter 16, and we look, and we say, oh, it's a bunch of names, right? No one reads the names. No one pronounces the names. You just say the first letter and mumble something really fast. And then when you're done, you're like, finish my chapter. But the Apostle Paul, when he writes and puts in people's names, they are significant, each and every one of them. Because first and foremost, the church is special because of God. His presence, His power, His authority. But never forget that the church is special because of each and every one of you. There's a reason the Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and others as yourself. It's very hard to love God when you hate your neighbor. It's hard to love God when you hate the person sitting in the pew in front of you. It's really hard to love God when you hate the person living at home with you. And tonight I want to just talk to you about the preciousness of God's people. The preciousness of God's people. You see, if I was to write a letter to you tonight, not claiming inspiration, but I was supposed to start naming names like Paul does, you'd get offended. Simeons would say, well, why didn't he reference me? Or why did he reference them? Or why did he write their name? Why did he tell a story about them? And tonight I want to talk to you because pastors come and go. And I said this morning I was not resigning. Please don't get your hopes up. And so as I take you through this sermon tonight, it, it'll almost sound like a, a, an emotional uh, trip down memory lane maybe. But 
I was looking the other day, and uh, with the exceptions of a six-month blip on the radar, since 1984, this church has had four pastors. Five, if, well, we're not going to count the six months. So four, four pastors have pastored this congregation since before I was born. And I know that's not a lot to some of you compared to how old you are, but when I think of the fact that I was born in 1985 and Denny Steed came here in 1984, Mark Lee came in 1993, Brother John came in 2002, and like I said, we'll skip those couple years in between, and then when I came in 2012, pastors come and go. How many of you were here in 1984? Few of you. How many of you were here in 1993? More hands are going up. How many of you were here in 2002? How many of you were here in 2012? You see, great churches, one, have to focus on God. But two, they never forget this simple thing and this simple truth that God loves people and He cares about them. But many, many times He will use you and I to show them what it looks like. To show them what it looks like when they lose a loved one and it's you who walk through that line person after person shaking their hand, praying with you. It's you who are the ones that are going to call and check on them and send cards and take food. It's you who, when someone's laying in a hospital bed getting ready for a surgery that comes barging through the door to pray with them. You see, the church of Jesus Christ is special because of God, but it is also special when the people of God live like the people of God are supposed to. And when we come to Romans chapter 16, Paul begins to write and he begins to name people. He doesn't write about them due to the fact that they give the most money. He doesn't write to them about the fact that they are the most famous. He writes about those who are the most faithful. And you can tell it in your own life. If you've been in church very long, you can think probably back to the vacation Bible school teacher you had when you got saved. You can think back to the Sunday school teacher who took that extra time and cared for you. You can remember the time that you had a sick child and someone from church came to visit them in the hospital. Those memories are special, not because of just the people that were there, but the love that they shown. I can think about Christians here in this church who have gone on to be with the Lord. I think of Brother Carl and Sister Jan. I think of Bev Edwards and Leon Phillips. I think of all of these people, and the list goes on and on and on. I, I remember uh, Alberta, Alberta Utterback, who I was the pastor here for a year and never had went to see her, and uh, she told, I think it was Brother Larry, when they were out visiting, I've heard our pastor I've heard we have a pastor, but I've never seen our pastor. And then with a few days, I was out there to see her. And, and those, those Christians that, that you think back to, and some of them were your mothers and your fathers and your aunts and your uncles, and just what have made this church special over the years. And I say all of that because one of these days, someone is going to be sitting here saying that about 
you. Hopefully, they are saying that about you. Hopefully, they are talking about the fact that I can remember being a first and second grader in Val and Jeanette's class when Jeanette was teaching and Val was teasing. I I can remember what it was like to be in the high school class the time that so-and-so ate five donuts and threw up. I don't know if I think that happened, but I'm not sure. If it was your kid, you didn't hear it from me. I remember the time that when my mom and dad were fighting and I didn't want to be at home, I was able to hang out at church on Sunday night. I remember when I buried my wife or my husband and the church was there for me. You see, these stories are isolated, but yet together they make the difference. And so tonight I am writing to you, I am talking to you Sunday night crowd, that if this church is going to continue to be the church that God wants it to be, it will be because of God and the people sitting here tonight, or the people that are here in the Awana room, or the people that are out in the gym. You are the ones that have to make the decision that if Paul was writing this letter about us, would we be in this chapter? Would we be in this chapter? And so I would, out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, uh, we're going to read the first 16 verses tonight. First 16 verses. And so if you would stand with me as I butcher these names to the best of my ability. Starting in verse 1, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centuria, that you may receive her in the Lord and in the manner worthy of the saints, and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house, Greet my beloved Epantius, who is the firstfruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Wania, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amphleus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stychus, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, who was chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet Asyncritus. Phlygen, Hermas, Patrobos, and Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philogus and Julia, Nerus and his sister, and Olympus, and all of the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Pray with me. Father, tonight as we come, Lord, my desire tonight is for this congregation to realize how precious you are. And how precious they are to you. Father I pray that you would burn in our hearts. A love for the local church. 
for the people, for the work, for the ministry. Not that it's legalism, Lord, not that it's out of duty, but it out of a great love for you and your bride. Lord, I pray tonight that you'd forgive me and help me as I proclaim your word. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Just imagine these names. You know, there are times in the Apostle Paul's writing when he writes things specifically about people in this way. And there are other times when he writes specifically about people and he does not write positive. You see, we have become so politically correct, so terrified of offending, that we will not commend or correct anyone. To this day, there were people in this church that will always be special to me. Not that you're not all, but I can think of the committee that hired me. I think of Gary Bryling and Gary Brzezinski and Larry Rowland and David Parker and Carl Leak. They were the committee that interviewed me. They were gracious. They were merciful. They, they could have asked me all kinds of questions. And maybe they should have asked me more. But they were kind. They will always be special to me. Not because they are more spiritual than the rest of you. But at one of the most pivotal moments in my life. I had never been in an interview in my entire life. <laughs> I had met with a church one time of ten people. They said, we want you to be our pastor. I said, I'm not called to be your pastor. I preached for six weeks. The congregation went from four to 33. They asked me again, and I said, I'm not called to be your pastor. And the words of one of the deacons was, would you do it anyway? And I thought, I'm not a sharp cookie, but this don't sound like a good deal. And so as I sit in that room with these five individuals right up there in that uh, main office, I scared to death, <laughs> scared to death. But yet how they treated me. I think of so many times over the last 10 years, the last 9 years, however long it's been. I, I can think of sitting around the table with Bev and Nancy Edwards eating cookies and drinking coffee. And watch a man with tears running down his face talk about how God saved him. And changed him from a life of wickedness and sin. How he loved his church and he loved his people and how he prayed for the church and how he prayed for the work of God. You see, it's people like that that the world doesn't recognize who physically can't do what they used to could do, who sit at home and beg God and beg God and beg God, Lord, if you just use them to save one more, Lord, if you just use them to help one more, care for one more, those are the people that Paul would be writing to if he was writing to this church. He would be writing to those people who have served on the van, picking up numerous kids that nobody else wanted. Today, as I was sitting in my office, I got a phone call from a young lady by the name of Tanisha Williams. She was an African-American young girl who came to the Baptist Children's Home and sat right over there. I'll never forget the Sunday I baptized her. Her mom and her aunt came, and I don't know what they were expecting, but we were a whole lot wider than what they expected. She called today and said, Pastor Jake, is that you? Which I didn't know who it was, and I thought, here it comes. All right. It's a Sunday afternoon. The typical chewing is going to happen. Yes, can I help you? She told me your name. She said, uh, do you remember me? I said, oh, Lord, have mercy. Absolutely, you know. She said, uh, I've been up every night. The Lord's been waking me up every night. 
dealing with me. She said, uh, she said, I'm living up in Michigan. She said, I've run for God. I've messed up things. And she said, but do you care to send me my baptism certificate? She goes, I, I just want that to remind me that, that I was saved, that I was baptized, that I was a part of a church that loved me and cared for me. I said, well, it's so good that you called. I need a sermon reference for tonight. No, the Lord did that. She said, uh, she said, uh, 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 she just, uh, she said, uh, you know, I don't have a, a Bible anymore, and I sure would love the same time of Bible that you, uh, that you uh, guys gave me when I got saved. I said, I'll tell you what, we'll ship you another one. And uh, she said, uh, said, Pastor, I, uh, I got a job. I'm going to school. Got an interview at Walmart tomorrow. She said, uh, Lord's, the Lord's dealing with me. And I thought to myself, most churches wouldn't want them there. They wouldn't want uh, a group of girls or, or boys that, that uh, homes were a mess, their lives were a mess, their mouths were filthy, their lives were a mess. But yet the grace of God teaches us that whosoever will can come experience the free gift of salvation, have their life changed. And I thought of her and I thought, boy, I tell you what, I think I even unfriended her on Facebook because I got so tired of watching them liberal things that she was putting on there. And Lord had to smack me and say, good thing you're not on there at all, Jake. Because the Lord is at work, changes. <laughs> I can think of Monica working in the office all those years and inexperienced Put up with me, was kind to me, was the steady hand in an office with a, with a young whippersnapper that had a tendency to put his foot so far down in his mouth. Think of how so many people in this congregation have loved us and cared for us. I think of all the new families that have come. And what I want you to hear is this if another generation is telling these stories, It'll be up to you. If another generation grows up and says, can you believe how the church loved us and cared for us and prayed for us? It will take all of us. Can't just be one. Can't just be two. It must be all of us. And so when Paul writes these letters and he writes this chapter, it's person after person after person after person. Some of them were opening up their homes. Some of them were giving their lives and risking their lives for him. Others were financially giving. They were serving together. And Paul says, the reason I'm writing about you is because your faith has went from more than just words to actions. And when Paul says, I've had nothing, I, I, I've been in every situation, God was with me. But the love and prayers of God's people were always with me as well. And tonight I am challenging this group of people. You who have served and loved and cared for so long. Not to quit. Ten mile does not have to be great tomorrow. But it can be great. If we will love God. And love one another. You see, one of these days, the Lord's going to call me home, and I hope we all go together. And if you show up on a Sunday night and you're the only one here, 
Unless it's bad weather, you better be getting right with the Lord, all right? But if he doesn't, it might be one of your grandchildren standing up here. It might be one of your grandchildren leading the singing when Jamie's over there on his walker and doesn't know where he's at, you know. He's older than me, so that's okay. It might be one of your children that's singing a song like that was sung tonight. Might be one of your children over here playing on this guitar. You see, they don't have to stay the next generation. The book of Judges teaches us that a, a generation died with Joshua and another generation rose up that did not know God. And friends, God alone is the one who convicts people. God alone is the one who saves people. But I can promise you that we have a part to play in how our children and grandchildren view the church of Jesus Christ. They can learn to love and to forgive and to have grace and mercy. To treat this group of people as sacred and special and the children of God. Or they can learn to treat it like anything else. Like the Rotary or like the uh, whatever other clubs there are. Kiwanis. It's not the same. It's not the same. This is something that God is building that God is putting together. You didn't sign up to pay your dues or your tithes or your offerings for any other reason other than the fact that God died for you and He loved you and He saved you and He wants to use you and He has a purpose and a plan for your life. So tonight I ask you this question. Do you view the people of God as precious? Do you view that person sitting behind you or beside you as precious. The Bible says that the death of God's saints is precious in his sight. Because they are realizing what the promises of God really are. But I want you to know that the saints of God are precious in his sight. Regardless if they are here or there. And tonight I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want to, to call you. To really believe that God's people are precious. You say, well, Jake, this is one time. You shouldn't be naming names. You shouldn't be talking about the committee. You shouldn't be talking about other people. Well, you know, Paul does this in Romans 16. He does it in 1 Corinthians 16. He does it in Ephesians chapter 6. Philippians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Titus. And whether or not you pronounce it Philemon or Philemon. Eight or nine times. When Paul writes to the church. He doesn't write to the building. He, he doesn't write to the beautiful stained glass. Which I'm glad that we have it. He writes to the people. Whose faith has went beyond words. And has turned into action. And tonight. If Paul was writing this letter to this church, would he mention you? You say, well, I wouldn't want him to mention me. He, he, I'd be embarrassed. Don't take your false humility with me. I don't know if Paul's writing about me. I don't want to be like the silversmith that betrayed him and ran him out of town. I want to be, like, I want to be the one who opened up my home and fed him. I want to be the one that opened up my home and let him stay. I want to be the one that when he was in prison at the Hamilton County Jail that I went up and visited him. 
I want to be the one that when he was coming through town and had no clothes and no money and had been beaten and shipwrecked and tortured and bit by a snake that, that I was there to comfort and care for him. Why? Because Jesus said, what you have done to the least of these, you have done to him. That's why in the scriptures, when they were trying to keep the little children away from the Lord, he said, no, no, no. Let them what? I'm, I'm deaf. You got to remember. Let them come. Let them come. And so when I stand here after church on a Sunday morning and there's 42 children running around up here and only half of them are mine, um, you know, and they're, and they're dancing up here and they're running in here. The, the old Baptist codger in me says, Gah! quit that. But then I remember the friendships and the love and the joy and the camaraderie and all that is going on up here is something special. And I can tell you 90% of Baptist churches would love to hear the sound of a crying baby. And don't let them cry too much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> would love to hear the laughter of little children. Would love to be able to walk out of this lobby tonight and see all them little crumb pickers playing in that building. And even though I cannot stand loud music, I cannot stand the thumping. I even am blessed when I'm sitting in here and all of a sudden I hear that gym going thump, 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 thump. I think I don't want to be out there. <laughs> but oh, what a privilege. And friends, it doesn't happen by accident. The people of God, loving God, loving one another, caring for one another. Paul writes these names for a reason because everyone that's a child of God is written in the Lamb's book of life. And if it matters to God and it matters to you, it should matter to us. Romans 12 tells us these words. I've got to be quick. I didn't even get through the first point, but it says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervor in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. He says this is what it looks like if you want to continue to be the church that God uses. Second thing I want to show you tonight, and I'm going to have to skip some stuff, is there are people who should be avoided. You see, you didn't think that Paul just wrote the good stuff. After verse 16, he wrote verse... This is a hard concept, right? He wrote verses to 16, and then he wrote verse 17. I just wanted to make sure you was with me. I didn't want you to think I put verse 17 in there. He goes on and says, these are the people that we must avoid. That we must not allow to destroy the church of our Lord. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division. Note those. That means take a list. It's not like Santa naughty or nice. He says, don't turn a blind eye. Contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. 
for your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush under your feet shortly. I read all the way to the end because we're out of time. But Paul says, you who love the church, who I have commended, who I have wrote your names in this letter that's going to be inspired, that is inspired, that's going to be the New Testament, don't turn a blind eye. Because not everyone in the church is of the church. Not everyone who hangs out with the sheep is a sheep. Not everyone who claims Christ is a follower of Christ. And Paul says you can notice them. You can see what they're like because they're causing division. They're always offending people. This is what it says. This is the words of Jacob Gray. He says they are slick talkers. They are a wordsmith. I can't even hardly pronounce the words that I'm reading to you tonight. He says that it's always about them, what they can gain, what they can accumulate, who they can influence. And Paul says in the same pen that I wrote, this is who you should be. He says you ought to watch out for and avoid those who aren't. You see, I said this to start the message. Most of us won't commend or correct because of our fear of what it'll mean. But what Paul says is, You'll either make a great difference for the kingdom of God, like verses 1 through 16, or you will tear it apart. Christian, you are only going to be one kind or the other of a church member. You're going to be the kind that you find in verses 1 through 16, or you will be the kind that is in verses 17 and 18. God won't force you to be either one of them. It's a choice you must make. It's a choice I must make. As I told you a few weeks ago, I've had to apologize and apologize and apologize and ask for forgiveness for the carelessness of how I say things. But listen to what it says in Ephesians 5, verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19 says these things. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. But third and finally, as we're at the very end, and I'm I'm going as quick as I can for someone that's out of shape and fat, we looked at the preciousness of God's people. We looked at the people who we shouldn't be and who we should avoid. And third and finally, we see the power of God over our enemies. The power of God over our enemies. You have to recognize that the church of Jesus Christ has enemies. Satan wants to destroy this church. That's all right. Only one of you is going to agree with me. That's okay. Satan wants to destroy this church. And he will use whatever it takes. And whoever he can. He can use pastors right here. He can use deacons. 
He can use pastor's wives. He can use deacon's wives. He can use Sunday school teachers. He can use Sunday school teachers' wives. He can use committees. He can use boards. He can use it all. None of us are immune. I can see it when I talk like everybody's like, well, it wouldn't be me. Wouldn't be me. Look up here. If you've got a heartbeat and you're not careful and you're not led by the Spirit of God, Satan can use you. And he can use me. You know how I know that? So embarrassing. I'm gonna, he has. He's used me in the carelessness of my tongue. He's used me in the pride of my heart. He's used me in the carelessness of my actions. But what is so important is what Paul finishes with. He says the power of God will overcome our enemies. Look what it says in verse 19. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple. That means innocent concerning evil. And listen to what it says in verse 20. And the God of peace will crush. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. <clears throat> and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. You see, friends, we might live in a world that is hostile to us. We might live in a community and a church that is always under attack. We might live in a home that is always being told the beliefs that we hold are outdated and wrong. But never forget that the power and God is going to win. And if this church will remain faithful, husbands and wives, if you will remain faithful, if you will stay true to the God who loves you, you and I will overcome. The church that dies is one, the church that doesn't love each other. And once they don't love each other, then guess what happens? They quit. They quit. Why would I go to a business meeting if they're just going to fight? Why would I go to Sunday school if they're just going to bicker? Why would I go to church if the pastor's just going to beat us up? See, pastors can be so hurt that they preach angry. You know how I know that? It's so embarrassing. This is so embarrassing because I've done it. I don't mean I've done it just one. I went through like a four-month period that I preached angry all the time. Thanks for noticing. Thanks for coming to me. Saying, preacher, you could be a little more or less angry. But why? It's how Satan works. Somebody's talking bad about you. Somebody's out to get you. Somebody's doing this. And it just it, you can't shut it off when you get here. I don't know if you know this or not, but I have a tendency to sometimes be too political. That's all right. You don't have to, you don't have to confess your sins. I'll confess mine. Sometimes there's no place for it, and sometimes there is, and I've been guilty of not always knowing when the line was and what the line was and how not to cross it. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you my sins tonight. You can act as holy as you want. So Satan uses those things. Satan will, will use it to cause a wedge. And friends, when the church can't love each other, 
then the church quits. And when the church quits, it's lost. You see, as long as you'll keep praying, as long as you'll keep serving, as long as you'll keep loving, as long as you'll keep sharing, as long as you'll keep doing the things that God called you to do, you'll still see that person saved. You'll see, still see that new family come down the aisle. You'll still see that young family standing up holding that little baby. Most precious thing they ever seen. Babies are so ugly, I can't even help it, but it's the truth, right? Not mine, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. There is only life when the church of Jesus Christ lives out the hope that is in them. And friends, the Easter and Christmas people are not the answer to our problems. The people that show up once a month aren't the answer to our problems. Who God is going to use is sitting right here tonight. Who is sitting right out there tonight. Who is right over there tonight. And those people that God continues to send. That God continues to save. You say, Jake, I don't have memories like that of being here since the 60s. That's all right. You get saved and hang out here long enough, you'll be talking about the 20s like some people talk about the 70s. Simeons are so old, you can remember things like the 60s. I don't remember that. My parents were born in the 60s. But if God gives you a long enough life, you'll be looking back. Do you remember the mask debacle of 2020? Do you remember... And friends, you will build a legacy, whether this is a church that loves Jesus and loves one another, or it'll be a place that you drive by and say, boy, do you remember when? <laughs> do you remember when that old, that old preacher, Bill Stafford, was preaching between an African-American gentleman and another African-American gentleman and said, I feel like the middle of an Oreo. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And when I preached in Albany, Georgia a few years ago, it was me and Tony and about a thousand people that didn't look like us. Daniel Simmons said that. Do you remember that night there at 10 Mile when Bill Stafford called himself the white part of an Oreo? I said, you bet I do. There ain't no spiritualness to that at all. But I remember then the joy of the Worship Renewal Conference. I remember watching... I remember Robert Smith preaching a whole chapter from the Bible from his pure memory and thinking, holy cow. I can remember then how people were at the altar, how God was at work. You see, you have no idea. You have no idea. You have no idea. And I tell this story all the time, and I'm going to tell it again. You have no idea that at a crusade for high school kids, that a drunken heathen sitting six rows in the back under a conviction of God might some baby your pastor. And the fact that you were faithful enough to spend some money and bring in a guy that half the town probably didn't like because he was shouted too much or he didn't look the right way or dressed the right way or told too many stories they didn't like. Or the fact that I might, you might be the end of someone's story like Gary Bullets is the end of mine. Just walked up, put his hand on my shoulder. 
said, would you like to pray? I didn't have as much chin back then, so it didn't rattle as much. But you have no idea when one of these days there's a deacon ordination right here and some young man is standing here and saying, I just, uh, just want to thank you for bringing me on the bus. My parents didn't come to church. My parents didn't love God. But you loved me. And friends, that's the church this can be. Or it can be a big, empty building that has no life, no purpose. It only becomes a memorial to days gone by. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I thank you for this group of people. Lord, I could tell story after story after story after story about how special they are, how much I love them, how much our family loves them. But God, they're sinners saved by grace. And Lord, tonight I thank you for them. But I pray, Lord, that you would start with me, you would start with them, and you would help us to keep our eyes on you. Father, that you would help us to love you and to love each other and to continue to be the church that you want us to be for the thousands more who might become believers through your son, Jesus Christ. Through the hundreds of missionaries and pastors and deacons and Sunday school teachers and nursery workers and kitchen committee members. Lord, all the people that matter so much to you, like Paul wrote in Romans 16. Lord, help us tonight. Lord, for that person that's here tonight that doesn't understand what I'm talking about, doesn't understand about loving a church and being loved by you that has never been forgiven, never been saved, never been born again. Lord, tonight your spirit would begin to convict them. Draw them to yourself that they might call upon your name and be saved. Lord, you've made the way through your wonderful sacrifice on the cross, through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Tonight I pray, Lord, whether online or in this building, whether in the youth or whether in Awana, that right now, Lord, your spirit would convict and that people would be saved. And Lord, we ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We just would like to thank you for watching today's sermon. And we pray that it has been a blessing and an encouragement in your walk with Jesus Christ. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.